0: Hello and welcome to Radio for Intermediaries in association with HSBC UK. I'm Rebecca Kaman, editor of Mortgage Strategy. And in this, our second instalment, I'm joined by Chris Pearson, head of Intermediaries, HSBC UK. Steph Charman, strategic relationships director, Sesame. Mobeen Akram, national new homes account director at Mortgage Advice Bureau and Rupi Hunjan, Managing Director of Sensio Financial. And we will be discussing the UK mortgage market and the challenges prevalent in today's climate. Chris, I'm going to come to you to start, please. I'd like to ask, uh, the mortgage market has shown continued resilience over recent months and years. Do you think this is likely to continue? And what do you see as both the opportunities and challenges in the market?
1: It's a great question, isn't it? And no, obviously, none of us has a crystal ball. But look, I, I, I'm an optimist, so I think we've seen this market go through all sorts of peaks and troughs. And you know, the financial crisis—not only uh, well, it just seemed just just only yesterday for those that can remember—and it came through uh, in good shape through that particular um, period of time. So, look, I, I still think there's plenty of demand in in today's market. It, it's probably driven a little bit by um, supply side issues in in truth which is which, to be honest a perennial sort of UK type phenomenon really so um, I, I, I think it will continue to show resilience it may slow a little bit over the next few months and we'll probably come on to some of those the, the, those reasons shortly but I think there's plenty of opportunities in there and I think also I think you can blend that with challenges as well I think as If if you're a broker um, helping customers in this market, you're always looking to find value in various parts of the market. Uh, And I think particularly in sort of remortgage customers and switcher customers coming out of deals and looking at a market now that has quite fundamentally changed over the past few, few months, actually. So I think that's an opportunity, but also a challenge in finding those sweet spots in the market, not just through interest rates, the, through product criteria and affordability as, as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Good points, Chris. Thanks, um, Steph. What do you think are the the opportunities and challenges that are coming up in the mortgage market?
2: I think uh, I, I, I agree with what a lot of what Chris said there. Around you know, wouldn't it be great if we had a crystal ball and we could fast forward and see what the rest of the year holds? I think the biggest I think the biggest challenge for advisors at the moment is just this speed at which everything's having, having to be done. Uh, I'm actually going to, would you believe it, even though I know, <laughs> I know what I know I'm going to a purchase trying to buy a property at the moment. And what I'm amazed with is the speed, everything that would normally take days and weeks previously seems to be having to be done in hours. Um, or, you know, it's it just, you know, just to, you know, keep on top of, you know, applications in for rates being pulled or just a speed of people, which people are buying at still, though there does seem to be a little bit of a drop in drop in demand. So I think that's a real challenge. And I think you know we're seeing vendors pull rates. We should totally understand why lenders are pulling rates as quickly as they are, but we've also heard lots of stories and this, you know, I'm sure people might might touch on this, you know, advisors staying up till midnight to try and get cases keyed um, for, for their customers. And that's the dedication of the advisors in this community. Um, I think the good thing is actually the opportunity for advisors, actually the more complicated things get, the more volatile the market becomes, the more consumers need guidance and advice. So, you know, leaning towards advisors when they're already really, really busy, um, but that's a real opportunity.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Steph. And Rupi, as Steph mentioned, that you might have some insight on the challenges faced by advisors at the moment.
3: Um, There are challenges, but I think, you know, we're talking about growth. I don't think growth is sustainable forever, but if you look at short, medium, or long term, long term is different. difference. But we can only look at the short term. And if you look at over the last 10 years, the advisor fraternity has always been up against it since the credit crunch. That's a whole generation of advisors because it's been 14 years. Hit Brexit, you've hit COVID, now you've got the Russian sub- uh, crisis. So there's always been an issue that advisor. So we're kind of used to working this way, got used to it. If you become an advisor now and you're only good, you're going to be busy. So there's two ways you can uh, deal with that challenge. You can either take on more resource, which we've decided to. So my guys don't work till 12 o'clock. They'll get it done. But we have enough guys. Mm-hmm. So We need to invest in our businesses to make sure that we've got enough resource. And... Um, what I think, so that's, that, that that those are challenges. But I think the bigger challenges are prices keep going up, and growth keeps happening. Is affordability, and the big challenge on a macro level is for young people trying to get on to the market. See, so someone remortgaging, or someone who's already got a house and a job, will be able to buy a home one day. Someone who's just graduating or young, that if prices keep going up and incomes don't rise. They're going to have a problem, and I think they're the big—they're they're the bigger challenges. The short-term challenges is operational, but we'll get—we've mm-hmm. always come over that; we've always got over that, so it's not going to be an issue.
0: Mm-hmm. And you touched on affordability being an issue. How do you think uh, brokers and lenders can support customers from this perspective?
3: You can keep chucking more fuel on the fire, and you know, make it—it it make you know—you can have things like longer-term. You know, right now, 50-year mortgages, you know, the generational mortgage, there's always going to be innovation coming through. I personally believe, and I'm very biased on this, obviously, uh, that you need a new tenure out there, uh, you know, because the way to buy a house has always been the traditional way. But new tenures need to come in, which are backed by government. And, you know, help to buy was great to prop the market up. There's a lot of stimulus thrown at the housing market. But you can't just carry on printing more money. You can't just carry on. There needs to be a new way of doing things. And the inter- intergenerational uh, mortgages that they use in places like Japan coming over here, does our society accept that type of mortgage? Like, you know, do I want to take on my mum and dad's mortgage? You know, we don't live in the same house or forever, for example. So we don't know how that's going to work. But, yeah, they I think um, – The challenges affect different pockets at different times. So you've got old people not being able to pay off their mortgages, you've got young people not driving. And that's what you call a housing crisis. It's always been about affordability, which is always run and being dictated by supply. There's not enough supply of housing. As long as there's not enough supply, prices will remain um, up. And that's always going to be the root of all problems. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Um, Chris, from a lender perspective, how do you feel that you and other lenders can support buyers in terms of affordability and the issues that they're facing at the moment?
1: Um, Look, I I think from an affordability perspective, I think the issues that we're seeing at the moment, certainly short-term, are going to get even more acute um, as costs continue to rise. There's not a huge amount we can do about energy prices rising. There's not a huge amount at the moment we can do with some of the input costs. That are driving inflation um, at the moment um, but of course as, as a lender you know we have to follow the rules and regulations i think for the right reasons of course making sure that mortgages and loans are always affordable for people not just now but in the in the foreseeable future so i think what we can do about you know i think we have to set expectations with customers i think we have to be realistic and i think we need to guide customers along the journey that we're seeing at the moment so that they they're almost in a, a position where they understand the market, and there's no surprises for them uh, along that journey. And the brokers, you know, the great thing from a broker perspective is they they can look across potentially the whole of the market to see value, and they can narrow in not just on price points but also on those criteria and features that enable brokers to kind of maximize those affordability areas for um, for, for customers. I don't think that's Ever been as important as it is to, to today, and of course, then we know that there's some regulatory changes that are proposed um, at the moment through um, stress testing. Um, we'll see how that plays out. My view on that at the moment is: I think it, it, it's helpful if lenders implement it. It's not hard and fast rule. Lenders can consider implementing those new stress tests, um, but even if they do, I think that will be potentially overtaken by the cost of living and interest rate rises over the shorter term. So, I don't think it's a sort of magic wand to the market at the moment.
0: Absolutely not, no. Um, Mobine, I'll come to you next and just ask, obviously, house prices have continued their upward trends um, despite the cost of living crisis. Uh, Do you see house prices continuing to rise?
4: Um, so first of all, thank you for having me on here today, and um, apologies in advance. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm really passionate about new homes and and new build properties, so that may come through today. So, um, yeah, I mean to answer your question, just going back initially, um, what you mentioned about the mortgage market being resilient and. Um, You know, the opportunities and challenges and from a new build perspective, customer demand remains strong. And of course, there's been different motivators in the market, uh, whether during COVID buyers were allowed to save and be in a position to to buy and buying a home became a priority. I don't think that's fully resolved. And there's still a demand out there, uh, whether it be lifestyle changing, but also there's different stimulus in the market. Um, whether it's interest rate changes, and I know Rupi and Steph had mentioned that before as well, Um, whether it's remortgage or purchase, um, although remortgage remains prevalent, there's always opportunities out there for brokers, and I guess we need to pivot and adapt and make the most of those opportunities. Um, Mm -hmm. In regards to house prices, to answer your question, Beck, I think there's so many different factors. Um, So first of all, I think... um, Just going back on what Chris had mentioned in terms of stress testing, affordability. um, So the HBF, which is the Home Builders Federation, released a report called Greener, Cleaner and Cheaper. I'm not sure if anyone has actually read this, but that found that new build homes and and buyers of new homes, houses and and owners were on average um, 50 percent cheaper to run than an existing pre-owned property. Um, so there's obviously lots of data to show. You know, 90% of new build properties are within A or B rating. Um, my 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 issue of concern would be to lenders out there. We need, the lenders lenders need to do more um, when it comes to affordability because when it comes to um, customers buying a new property, although it's more cost effective cost effective and energy efficient, they are still being stress tested against an existing property. So that's the um issue around affordability. Um regarding house prices, to answer your question, um interesting in new new homes arena, I think um there's so many the cost of materials, the cost of, um, you know, labour have significantly increased um, and no doubt um, there's a new surcharge for house builders that's come into place in April 2022, uh, which is RPDT tax and that's an additional surcharge of 4%. So any developer um, above 25% million profits will have an additional charge and no doubt that will also impact the margins for house builders. So, the cost of labour, the cost of materials and additional tax in the new homes industry, no doubt that will have an impact on prices. And the next point would then be valuation stacking up for new build homes. So that is a challenge that we have. Um, I do think overall house price, of course, will normalise given what's happened um, and increase um, from double digit. It's more likely to go down to single digit. However, there are other factors and challenges involved. Sorry, that was a very long-winded answer to your question.
0: <laughs> no, great. Very interesting point. Thank you. Thanks, Mubeen. Um Steph, do you think house prices will continue their momentum?
2: Not at the level that uh, we've been seeing um, up until this point. I think um, it's not sustainable. It was never sustainable. Um, it's been predicted to slow. None of us has perhaps n't seen it slow as quickly as perhaps we predicted it would do. I think we all sort of thought that would happen after the the back of the stamp duty holiday finishing. Um but as you know, we've touched on already, the supply and demand piece is still um, working through. I think we'll keep house price growth. Well, we're hoping ever the optimist like Chris, that we'll keep house price growth positive, um but at a slower rate. And we saw that, I think you know already, already we're starting to see that slow down, depending on the house price index you look at growth from May to June. Started to see, you know, started to see that slowdown. We're still in double digits from a from an annual picture, but you know, just I think is probably the way um, I put it. And you know, if we're coming into July. You know, if we can kind of get further in the month, we perhaps will see what June the picture for June holds. Um, I think what we don't know, however, is all the other economic pieces that factor into this, and whether we'll just see a slowdown, whether we'll see growth stagnate. And as I said, I really hope we don't see any reduction. But um, our hopes and thoughts are that you know, we'll know we we'll see a slowdown. As Bean said, we'll move into single digit growth um, as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks, Steph.
0: Um, obviously, saving for a deposit is one of the main challenges first time buyers face. Um, Rupi, do you have any solutions or suggestions as to how we can help ease this pressure for first time buyers?
3: The, the, the savings always been difficult because people always have other things to spend their money on, and what I find it the the problem is is the size of deposit. It's never you know people have always had to save for things, so that's not so. Firstly, it's getting focused and getting people getting their heads around the fact that they've got to actually save. That's a bit of a, uh, an issue with a lot of people. I think. Um, then it's the size of deposit. So if you're borrowing, if you want to put down a 10% deposit to borrow £300,000, you've got to save £30,000, a lot of money. So that's where the issue is. So then you've got to work it backwards and say, how do I get a smaller deposit? Well, the only way to do that is to have a smaller mortgage. So you either move somewhere where you can afford to have a smaller mortgage, a smaller house, a lesser area, or you decide to look at some uh, a scheme like shared ownership, sorry, Kiris, had to say it, <laughs> where the deposits are smaller. And that's where, when people talk about affordability, it used to be, oh, that house is £200,000, I can't afford that. That's a million pounds, I can't afford that. I actually feel, especially in new build, buying a home is more like buying um, a car on a lease. No one's looking at the price of the car. They look at what it's costing per month. And that's where affordability comes in. And you've got to take into account the deposit, the monthly payments, and how those monthly payments are made up. People Mm -hmm. seem to care less because you've had things that help to buy and, uh, you know, other schemes out there like shared ownership. People looking more at how much does this cost every month? What's it going to cost me every month? Can I afford that? So, the deposit, the monthly payments, everything comes into that decision. Not just the deposit, but I think, yeah, for the deposit, it's bank of mum and dad, beg steal be or borrow, or save as much as you can, and then decide how much you can actually afford.
0: <laughs> okay, great, thanks, so, really. so, Chris, the same question to you in terms of raising a deposit. Any suggestions for how first-time buyers can? Can do this, and how we can help ease the pressure as an industry.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, it's, it's, it's certainly a challenge, isn't it? And Rup is um, and and Steph have, have talked a lot about those those particular cha- challenges. Um, uh, my view is: look, we've got ninety five percent mortgages there already, so you know, we, you know, we've got the five percent deposit opportunity. Obviously, simple maths, but you know, could we push that a little bit more? I mean, could you do less than 5%? I think we're already at the margins, aren't we, really? So, you know, could could the market move to, I don't know, a 97.5% with a 2.5% deposit? So, I think from a deposit perspective, I think we're already pushing the limits of those sorts of boundaries. So, you know, I think there's a little room for maneuverability there. So, what else is there? I think there are, some some good products products out there that i think could do with a little bit more push, a little bit more innovation so i'm talking of things like joint borrower sole proprietor guarantor type mortgages um the intergenerational products so it kind of brings in the bank of mum and dad uh and maybe you know we're also seeing some innovation in those almost micro deposit type mortgages where you've got not it's not just bank of mum and dad but a cohort of people clubbing together um, in terms of putting themselves on the mortgage and saving for a deposit. And there's all sorts of innovation that we're just starting to see that I think we could benefit from more of. And as Rupee has said, um, you know, is driving force in this particular uh, sector, which is shared ownership, the affordable housing sector. So I think that will come into its own even more so than it is today. I think we're seeing that as a real growth market the sort of fourth tenure um if you like so I can see that sector really really get you know gathering pace in certain parts of the UK particularly I think in London and the boroughs I think that's where that's going to really start to take to take share and I think it's a it's a market that's changed um over time as well I think I probably see it as more of a maybe young professionals in the London market looking to get their, the you know their foot on the ladder and getting at least a share of the upside um, in the mortgage market. I and mean, that's where that particular product comes into its own. But, um, I'm sure Mubeen would have a view from a new build perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Mubeen, would you like to to give us your view?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I I do echo what Rupi mentioned in terms of shared ownership. Uh, We do need more schemes out there from a government perspective and local authorities. I mean, we've had Homes England work with um, lenders and, you know, local authority with the first home scheme, which has been really great. Um, It's been selling well, and they're looking to um, complete around 1,500 units uh, in 2022. So it's great to have these initiatives. And you've got, um, you know, lenders like Generation Home who've got, you know, the the joint borrower sole proprietor kind of schemes. It's great to have these, but I think from a broker's perspective, we want longevity and certainty. It's great to have government schemes come involved, but they're not really predictable for the future. We need something that will, I mean, as much as help to buy was brilliant and as a great stimulus for the market. We want products that will continue. I mean, we've got market mortgage from a new bill perspective and, um, you know, other 95% schemes out there, which are brilliant for um, low deposit. However, affordability still remains um, a concern, in particular Southies, like Chris has mentioned, London Boroughs. And we need products which are innovative um, and have longevity. And that's what I would urge lenders to come and think outside the box of what mortgage products can we have that will give us continuity and certainty, but also innovation. Um, And technology has significantly improved, as we know, um, during, during the pandemic, and it's allowed us to work differently. And there are lenders out there who have, like HSBC, have embraced technology. What can we do to take it to the next level, increase mortgage product availability, and also offer something that's continuous in the market?
0: Mm-hmm. Great points. Um, Moby, and I'm going to stay with you because I want to talk a bit more about new homes. Um, what needs to change to improve the number of new homes we build per year? Um, And also, what's happening to ensure new housing stock meets the wider climate change agenda?
4: That's a really great question, isn't it? And there's so much I could say about that. (laughs) I'll try to reduce it in like a few seconds. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier about new build homes being more energy efficient and I will keep harping on about it. But we've got data. We've got data to actually evidence that. Um, and we know, of course, new build properties are A to B e- EPC rating. So we know it's residential for residential buyers. It's very attractive. And also for investors and buy to let purchase, we understand give a regulation that's changing. This is also going to be more attractive. Um, we need more, um, I think, more product availability for sure to keep that stimulus going for new build buyers. Now that helps buyers almost come to an end. Um, we need other schemes out other, other product. Um, but also um, I think we need the lenders to do more in terms of how they view new build. So I meant, mentioned about um, you know affordability it should rather than having affordability on on certain data uh, ons stats, uh, we need new build buyers um, to have a different set of affordability, Well, it's a pilot run, to allow customers to, to borrow more for new build, because we, un- we do understand that they are cheaper to run. And that needs to be factored in. And ultimately, if we can look at um, affordability different um, and increase the um, availability of loan sizes, that will for sure help, I think, um, increasing the overall um, agenda for new build. But in addition to that, it is um, you know looking at more greener products but actually I think um, having more competitive uh, greener products out, outside the box to really um, I guess to incentivize customers because right now there's green products are there out there but are they really doing enough because we do know that new build properties um, you know in terms of emissions um they are a lot more um, green in terms of um, New home products out there, but mortgage products don't actually um, resonate in the same way. If you know what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
4: Steph. What are your
0: thoughts on the green green mortgage products that are currently on the market?
2: Um. My thoughts. I think they're a good first attempt, but don't go anywhere near far enough. Um, I think, if I'm honest, um, I think this is an area, green. green's an interesting area, isn't it? And it's one, if you listen to any panel debate over the last three months, I think we've all debated this um, <laughs> an inch of its life, in fairness. And we all know the situation. So we all know why we need to improve housing stock. It's the biggest, the CO2 emissions coming from housing stock is the biggest area that we need to address. Um, but no one person can do that in isolation. So as distributors and advisors, the advisor community can't do that. As consumers, you can't do it on your own. As lenders, you know it's not fair to put it all on lenders either. And that's why um, we've come together to form um, with a couple of our, uh, our other distributors to form the Mortgage Climate Action Group, working closely with the likes of Chris at HSBC to say, actually, how do we collaborate as an industry together to make change and to ensure that, one, we raise awareness for advisors, um, we educate advisors on the changes that changes that are coming, what what does the future hold, what's going to come out of the latest by-to-let legislation as a starter for 10, um, and then how, also how do we help them inform, their consu- inform consumers, but also how do we use um, our voices into lobbying within trade bodies and lobbying into government and to the regulator to make sure that actually you know, we don't end up with any unintended consequences. You know, the changes we're asking people to make to their properties are expensive. Not everyone will be able to afford to do that. And actually, you're asking a lot of people to put a lot of upfront cost with small initial reward it takes a long time for you to gain that upfront cost cost back so people may have a morally have a you know a green conscience and want to make those improvements but actually can't afford to do so um we need to make sure we don't end up with a two-tier property market you know seeing above properties energy efficiency properties Fab. you know that's great you know different price bracket to d and under and we end up with different um and we end up with you know people are being able to access or a sub you know a, a sub green market um so we need to be really careful um about the unintended consequences and we don't create green mortgage borrowers uh, sort of green mortgage prisoners so that's my view my view is there's a huge amount to go we're making really good strides we're coming together we're having that voice you know we need to collaborate um but more can be more can be done and will be done because this, this is where the this is where the future is going those targets are set
0: absolutely we can't ignore it um, Rupi, do you have any thoughts on the green agenda and the green products available at the moment?
3: I think it's here to stay. I think it's going to be um, affecting everyone and it already is. What worries me is if the rules are too onerous, especially on the buy you know, private rental sector is quite big. We talk about homes. We always talk about home buying and mortgages, but lots of people, this whole faction of society, just will never be able to buy. And that private rental sector, If you're a landlord and your EPC is below C or D and then you have to raise that and spend retrofitting your old properties, people will be leaving the market. So I see PRS being affected. Where do those people go that would have gone to a landlord? Well, they're going to end up paying more rent. Rents are already going up in London massively, biggest rise we've seen for years. Social housing, our old council house, isn't being built. So you're going to have a whole part of society, we're we're always talking about, oh, I can't afford to buy, can't afford to buy. The next conversation is going to be, I can't afford to rent. There's not enough supply in rental because the buy-to-let landlord that started off in 88 and built, um, you know, loads of portfolios, they're going to be coming out. The demographic means they can't be bothered with it. So that's all. They're going to have institutional landlords who are going to charge a lot more than we're seeing the rents, uh, the rents are being charged today. So you're going to have a housing crisis, not just because young Johnny can't afford to buy a house, but he can't even afford to rent something decent because the supply won't be there. That's my worry. Uh, I think the green thing is a good thing. We need to save the world. But the unintended consequences are a lot bigger than we realise, and the decisions are being made very quickly, too quickly, my liking.
0: Okay, interesting. It's a very difficult balance to strike. All right. Um, we have one more question, and it's the million pound question. Obviously, um, the Bank of England interest rates are have been going up. Um, do we see this continuing? And how does this translate into mortgage pricing
2: and advice? I'm going to ask you, Steph,
0: for your thoughts. <laughs>
2: Oh wow! So if I could predict this one correctly, then I should also go and buy a lottery ticket, shouldn't I? Because obviously I'll, I'll be obviously um, <laughs> got sort of lucky. But I don't actually know if I'm really qualified to answer the advice, the the pricing element of this. Your um, educated guess is that Bank of England's only going one way. Um, we had predictions, you know, we, we're seeing that change on a on a weekly basis, really, aren't we? So a couple of months ago, we thought we'd be at one and a half by year end. Actually, you know, I'm hearing reports we could be at two and a half, three percent by quarter one, end of quarter one, 2023. So that's a that's a big differential. Um, and if you look at two year swaps, that's already started to be priced in. Um, so I think the market's volatile. I think property prices are, you know, you know, are, are going to play into that. Customer inquiries are more complex than they've ever been before, um, and all of that builds into. And I think this is a piece from an advice perspective is, you know, builds into, you know, customers looking to advisors to guide them correctly. We're starting to see people, you know, even coming out of, you know, redemption penalties early. Is that the right thing for them to do? Are they getting advice on that? Are they getting the right guidance? Um, the, the remortgage market is a fantastic opportunity as we move forward. So actually, advisors making sure they're talking to customers. Long-term fixed rates are priced attractively at the moment, but tying into a five, seven, ten-year fixed—that's a long time. You know, so actually making sure the conversation's been had about what a customer might want to do in the future is really, really important. So that's my my, my thoughts. Are yes, it's all going one way, um, and it's you know, and that will um, product pricing is only going to go one way, unfortunately. Um, but actually, the need for advice and guidance has never been has never been greater.
0: For sure, Chris, what are your thoughts on the direction of the interest rate?
1: I just i was just about to agree with everything Steph had said there, actually. So to say um, she thought she wasn't qualified to answer it, I think you should join our economics team, Steph. Um, I, 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 our view on, on rates, and I'm going to quote the, H- the HSBC house view at the moment. And, you know, things can change. Things can change, you know, within the day, actually. but um, So no crystal ball on this, but our, our outlook to the end of the year is um, 2.25% from where it is today. Um, It'd be difficult and probably wrong for me to commit or say anything around anything longer term to that into into next year. I guess the question is, let's just wait and see on that. But I think we can give a little bit of guidance towards the end of the year. I think the breakdown of that then is how the Bank of England decide they want to apply those rate changes. At the moment, they've been going in quarter points. I think the question then is: Will they? Will they? Will they move on to maybe from a quarter point to even a half point? So let's wait and see how those rises play out and manifested between now and the end of the year. And I think the the, the question then is: How does that play out into mortgage rates? Um, and I get yeah, I get a lot of questions on this actually. is You know why why are bank based rates I guess rising so slowly where mortgage rates are changing so rapidly? And increasing probably a little bit faster than than bank base rates, which then gets you into the swap rate debate, which is, I guess, how banks price mortgages um, based on swap rates, which are I guess a future looking view of bank base, if you if you like, which is how most banks price their fixed rate mortgages. So there's a relationship between swaps bank base and then and then mortgage rate, uh, rates which are not always that easy to sort of get get that sort of um uh, I guess that I guess that real look through is a little bit opaque unfortunately so 2.25 to the end of the year and a gradually rising mortgage rate uh, outlook it will then depend on how competitive lenders want to be in that market as to how quickly mortgage rates rise.
0: Great. Thanks, Chris. Rupi or Mobin, would you like to dip into the interest rate debate?
4: Um, the only thing I would um add is I and mean, I think Steph and Chris have covered literally everything. Steph, that was really comprehensive. I'm not sure if I can add anything to that. The only two words I would say is up and up, and we don't know how much. Um on the positive though, lender liquidity um looks great. So um, the future looks good in terms of, in that respect, but um, who knows what rates will be done. Wait, no more qualified than these guys to answer that question. Uh, Rupi probably far better than me. Um,
3: again, going back to the 80s, the only way is up, according to Yaz, if anyone remembers that. I'm <laughs> surprised no one's done that at the show yet. But look, you know, inflation's running away. One of the only tools you've got is it to control interest rates. So the Bank of England use it to go up. How quickly they do it will really depend on what, how quickly America is doing it. But anything the Bank of England has said, you know, they've been calling it wrong as well. So we don't know. I think also, as brokers, we 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 we're at the behest of the lenders. We, we they're, they're the, the the interest rates that they predict. That they give us other are, are tools we use. So whatever happens, they're going to give us a product. They're going to say, this is the interest rate. And we're going to have to work with it. All it means is less people can afford things. Or it's going to get a little bit more expensive. And I think everyone has to tighten their belt. You know, people remortgaging will have to tighten. We've had a good run for about 10, 15 years where, you know, but we've got full employment. got full employment Tighten the belt, it's all going to get a bit more expensive. We're already feeling it already. And I think um, that's the only conclusion I've got. They're going up and it's going to be a bit harder, but we'll get through it.
0: Absolutely. The cost of living is no doubt going up, but the historically interest rates are still quite low, really, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but as you say, the only way is up from here, Rupi. <laughs> thank you guys so much that was that was really interesting I hope you all enjoyed it and you made some very eloquent and interesting points I thought
3: yeah